Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Again, my breakfast, as I tend to skip breakfast before I do a podcast. So Built Bar powers this pod. It can power you. Use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. We're talking quarterbacks today, Matt, and we've got some some news to catch up on, which is a pretty important story with Aaron Rodgers, and obviously he sees now the light at the end of the tunnel and maybe realizing he's not going to be able to retire as a Green Bay Packer, just like the guy in 2005 who was the future Hall of Famer in Brett Favre when he was the rookie, was not able to. I want to talk about the proposed trade that apparently is a real thing. When I first saw this story about maybe the Browns even turned down an offer or that an offer was made of Russell Wilson from Seattle to Cleveland in the before the 2018 draft. I thought, oh, no way, that's not a real thing. But uh, too much smoke and too many people saying that there was something to that. And then what sort of dominoes would have fallen after that is super interesting to me. I want to talk maybe about some breakout quarterbacks in 2020 here. Uh, but first, the, the thing we should start with, I guess, is a current quarterback who is not employed that could be, and it's something you've been talking about nonstop that makes too much sense, is Cam Newton and the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I, I mean, the rumblings are there's at least interest there from both parties. Great. I mean, I, I think this is long, long overdue. And, and no disrespect to Herbert, but I didn't see Herbert as the sixth overall player. And I know quarterbacks get bumped up, but I didn't think he's an elite prospect. But I, again, I've said this a hundred times on the podcast, I would have taken Mackay Becton at six or Simmons or something like that. Had had Cam signed Tyrod as the backup. That's a pretty good duo for today and maybe next year. And who knows? I mean, we'll see what you get out of both of them. I get the feeling they want, I'm not going to say they're a Ravens-like offense, but I do think they'll they'll steal a little bit from that offense. Um, but Herbert's there. If you add Cam and Tyrod's your two, I think that makes the Chargers a high-quality team. I mean, I don't trust them as an organization, and I have mixed feelings about the coaching staff, to be honest with you. But, you know, my, my little dorky spread, spreadsheet, I mean – they would have been 12 and four if they won, if they reversed the all their one score games. I mean, instead of being five and 11, like they, they weren't a bad football team. They did, they ended up in, you know, as a bad football team from a win loss perspective, but they're much closer than these teams that are six, seven wins and less type of guys. It's hard to envision that they're going to be better without Phillip Rivers at quarterback there in the short term, but they're a good enough team where they should be trying to win while. Justin Herbert is developing and not rushing Justin Herbert in there year one right. if he's not ready. Uh, and obviously things can go in the tank very quickly. If you start losing a bunch of games early in the season, then you go to Herbert and see what you've got there. If he seems like he's anywhere near ready. But if you bring in someone like Cam Newton, I think that just gives you a better shot to win now. I, I like what they got on the defensive side of the ball. That secondary could be really nasty and they still have a lot of pieces on that football team. So they should certainly of all the top, not all the top 10 teams, but as a team that drafted in the top 10, they should be going for it early and then maybe readjusting midseason. And that, to me, means you've got to make sure you've got a pretty good quarterback now while you develop Justin Herbert, not really worry about where he's at time clock-wise, especially with this truncated offseason. 
Yes, and, and to take it a step further, I'm sitting here staring at my spreadsheet as you're as you're chatting. They were one of the worst teams in the league with my advanced turnover ratio. They were the 30 most injured team in the league last year, dead last on special teams, and still averaged half a yard more per play on offense than they allowed on defense. And you only win five games. You know, like there's a lot there to work with. And your defense, to take it a step further, your defense is loaded with playmakers. And this team overall has a ton of free agents to be after the year. So take a shot this year with Cam or even Tyrod. I mean, that's better to me than Herbert. And if you can't bring a lot back, then maybe you rebuild next year. But I think you take a shot at it. And I know Kansas City's in division, but that doesn't mean you just lay down. Yeah, you can't just lay down. Um, I've got a little extra pep in my step today, Matt, because uh, California, the governor, Gavin Newsom, um, kind of had an optimistic approach to when sports might be able to open up without fans in California, potentially next month in June, which is something I didn't think I was going to hear. And we're seeing more reports. Tom Brady. He went on a two-hour throwing session with Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait and a bunch of teammates. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, there was videos of him throwing with Juju Smith-Schuster and Switzer and, and James Conner. So it's starting to feel like this thing might actually happen. I know. I don't want to be too optimistic either, but uh, we even haven't mentioned it. But now this week, NFL facilities are starting to open back up, you know, not full go. But we are seeing people doing football things. You know, Ben shaved his beard because he can throw to people finally coming off surgery. And Brady's <laughs> with his new teammates. I mean, how great are those things? So, you know, I, you would be a little more doubt into this than me. But, like, do you worry? I, I don't even know if we should go down this road. But the, the, the New York teams, the L.A. teams, the California teams, I mean, there's a chance they don't play in their home state. But at least this is a step forward towards normalcy like you said right. it should be optimistic and for even some of the places and it might be a county by county basis where california kind of mostly opens up but la county says now nah, we're too condensed here we don't want to do it you know san francisco could be the same way but the the path right now it seems like we're inching toward a scenario where at least somewhere training camp can happen in some states and mm -hmm. it should be enough to have all 32 teams have camp and then looking down the road at september potentially California can have a no fan situation. So that's the optimism for me and the way I would be looking at it right now. But really, it's, it's just too hard to project and too hard to tell. But things are at least going in the, the positive direction, you know, the, the right direction right now for where we're sitting here. Middle May. Right. I think we should all be very optimistic. And um, I'm, I'm getting out more and more people are, you know, more things are opening up around here. It's exactly what I want. I, I would have a really hard time if football were greatly compromised this year. Another couple of quarterback notes here. Uh, one, Philip Rivers, uh, Coach Frank Reich of the Colts, said that he is, quote, very optimistic that Rivers will be more than a one-year relationship with the team. How do you feel about the 38-year-old hanging out maybe into his 40s with the Colts? Mixed feelings because we talked Chargers quarterback situation last, you know, just a minute ago. I thought Rivers hurt the team at least as much as he helped them and put the ball in harm's way too much. Now, it would have been nice if he had a line, especially one like the Colts. I I've always been a Rivers fan. Anyone that's followed me over the last 10, 15 years, I've said he's one of the most underrated players this generation. But I also worry that the Colts feel like they have their magic elixir in him, and I don't know that he's going to be 
you know, a great player for them or a top 10 type quarterback. Um, but he's still more than adequate. He certainly could rebound. I mean, he's got a great track record. And I think if he reels it in a little and his relationship with Reich and a good line and a Jonathan Taylor-based offense, I like it. Looking at the backfield, another quote from Frank Reich talking about the number three back. You know, you would assume that Naheem Hines would be hard for him to get on the field now that they traded up to draft Jonathan Taylor. They already have Mac there. And Frank Reich said, it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a game this season that Naeem Hines has 10 catches. And, uh, the, you know, the name Austin Eckler's thrown around there now because of Phillip Rivers at quarterback, and he checks the ball down to his backs very well, as Reich said in this interview and this press conference. So, uh, I don't know. You buying Naeem Hines, maybe, those for that late fantasy, maybe flyer and see what you get. I don't think you're going to get an Austin Eckler-type season, but... Um, yeah, throwing to the backs in Indianapolis isn't really something that I considered being super heavily done, and they've got three backs that should at least all see some time. I mean, that backfield is is strange to me. I can't really wrap my head around how it's going to work. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do know the Colts have been very high on Naheem Hines from day one and still are, but they don't view him as a high-volume guy. So the Eckler comparisons are great. From a receiver standpoint, but don't go thinking Naheem Hines is going to save your fantasy season because he's going to get a ton of touches. I mean, there's two big-time runners ahead of him that he's going to get very, very few carries. But he's a great receiver, not like a pretty good, you know, intriguing receiver. I think he's a great receiver. And you're right. I mean, Rivers does a great job distributing the ball to his running backs, checking it down. He certainly isn't going to run. You know, like we've had a lot of talk about, you know, running backs coming into the league and Edwards Hilaire and guys like that, that you look at their stats in college, a lot of these, run, most running backs catch very few passes in college. And one of the huge reasons for it is quarterbacks are very athletic at that level for the most part. And if something's not there, they run. Where Rivers, something's not there, he checks it down to, Hines or even Taylor or Mac. Um, I could see him catching 10 balls in a game, but a game that they are losing 14 nothing at half. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know I was just I mean? like, how is there enough playing time? And that could be a, a really fun backfield. It could be a frustrating backfield for those fantasy owners that want one guy to, to jump out and give them a whole big impact there. All right. I want to move on to a couple of big name quarterbacks of couple of future Hall of Fame quarterbacks that could have been on the move in the past that might still maybe be on the move. Aaron Rodgers seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. The rumors about a potential missed Russell Wilson trade. Kind of crazy story there that I want to get into next. What makes Built Bars so good? Why am I waiting on my second box now of Built Bars? Well, they're a tasty, healthy snack, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, there's 8 chocolate with nuts flavors, and 8 nut free flavors. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate, not this weird light brown looking fake chocolate substance. This is legit chocolate, soft, chewy, easy to eat, and they taste really good, but they're also healthy. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for the health conscious folks out there. Lose or maintaining weight, this is great. You can still indulge in a treat while getting that protein with low sugar. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter 
flavor. 20 grams of protein in that one. 170 calories, only 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. The mint brownie flavor is also very good. Those are two of the flavors that are coming on the box I built from BuiltBar.com. 15 grams of protein, only 110 calories in the mint flavor. Go to BuiltBar.com, build your own box, use promo code Locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code locked on or $10 off at builtbar.com. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers. And these quotes are, and part of me thinks, oh man, this is about to be Aaron Rodgers' best year in a while. And, and maybe a little bit of like, okay, you want to draft a first round quarterback? Let's see how that goes. Uh, Rodgers talking to ESPN said, quote, as much as I feel confident in my abilities, and what I can accomplish and what we can accomplish, there are some new factors that are out of my control. And so my sincere desire to start and finish with the same organization, just as it has with many other players over the years, may not be a reality at this point. And as much as I understand the organization's future outlook and wanting to make sure they're thinking about the team now and down the line, and I respect that, at the same time, I still believe in myself and have a strong desire to play into my 40s and I'm just not sure how that all works together at this point. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers? Not only 2020 with the Packers, but down the road, is is this his last year in Green Bay? On paper, it's great, you know, draft a future quarterback, let him sit for a couple of years. But this is too big of a story. There's going to be too much grinding with this. I almost believe that this has to be Rodgers' last year, and he's going to be looking for his own ways out if he can get out after this year and then it's going to be the love show. So you draft him, and even if he's ready or not, he might have to play before those two or three-year windows. And, I mean, two to three years is tough to wait on a quarterback anyway. There's a lot there I wanted to unpeel. Is You mentioned something like, boy, maybe this is shaping up to be Aaron Rodgers versus the world, and he has a great year. And then I'm sitting there thinking, it wouldn't blow me away, even though what I just said about Rivers, Rivers, Ben, Rodgers, Brady. I mean, these Hall of Fame stud old guys might kind of give the league the finger and be like, don't forget about me quite yet. You know what I mean? We're not over the hill quite yet. We got a lot to prove. All those guys have an obstacle in front of them for the first time in a while or a change of scenery or, you know, a a kick in the gonads, you know I mean? Like I I think they're all super highly competitive and didn't get to that point by accident. So those guys might rebound stronger collectively than I, you know, would have thought that they're not just fading away and going off and off the pasture. Um, I definitely think the Packers are in LaFleur's corner, which I think is the opposite corner of Rodgers. I think they want to be Titans. I think they want to be Niners. You know, they watched the Niners run all over them. The Titans had their Derrick Henry when LaFleur was there. And I don't think Rodgers is really on board with that strategy. I mean, he knows who he is and who he was. Um, So... You know, Love, I think, could be – he plays – you know, Rodgers still plays a lot out of structure. And I think Love can be groomed to be, this is what we drafted you for. This is how we play here. And it's amazing. But in a way, Rodgers does kind of feel like Alex Smith in Kansas City. Uh, and I'm not implying that Love is Mahomes. Don't get me wrong there. But I would say, yeah, the over-under is probably a year and a half more in the Packers uniform. And unfortunately – that's how it goes, dude. You know, I mean, very few get to retire with the team they wanted. Rivers just switched teams. Brady just switched teams. I mean, that's the way it goes. There's a contract angle to this as well because Rodgers signed a new deal in 2018 through 2023. 
So it might be difficult after year one, salary cap wise, depending on what this cap looks like next year for the Packers to trade Rodgers. But are there any teams where you're like, oh man, okay, 2021, I could definitely see Rodgers here. But he do, you know, Favre to the Vikings, Rodgers to the Bears to play his old team a couple times. <laughs> well, that yeah, Something if like he that. got cut. But I think that's one thing that the Packers have is it would have to be a trade because of be the, trade. the way the contract is. So they would probably not allow that to happen unless it's a situation where they have to cut him. But I bet someone would be willing to pay whatever his salary is and trade for Aaron Rodgers in 2021. A 37-year-old Rodgers? Oh, yeah, there's going to be a market for him. I would think so. I mean, I think definitely think so. I mean, would Patriots? The P- Patriots are the first team yeah. that absolutely jumps off the page. But what if I know we're going to kind of get to some breakout quarterbacks? But what if Josh Allen fizzles or Baker fizzles or you know Haskins or Jones or you know guys that we have some some hope for, but just their 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 career really goes right down the the crapper. You know, I mean, maybe a team like that. What if Ben retires after the year? I'm sticking with the AFC more than anything, though. I don't. They're not going to trade him in division, like you said. Right. And what about the Niners, though? Yeah, I well, mean, yeah, there's. It's know? a big year for Garoppolo, and I fully expect Garoppolo to be even better this year. Last year mm-hmm. was his first year ever in the NFL, starting 16 games, coming off an ACL. I mean, he almost has to be better this year. So, and if he's not, then that's probably a red flag. And they do have outs in his contract, so it's. I'm not going to shut the door on that and say nope it's Garoppolo forever done deal but if I had to project it out I think Garoppolo is going to be even better this year and he'll be the guy and they won't want to get older at quarterback just like the Tom Brady conversation but that's projecting that Garoppolo is better there's a chance he plateaus or maybe maybe doesn't play well if he gets hurt or doesn't have a good season then you have to start considering some of that stuff but I think it's very doubtful for the 49ers I hear you. I think Rodgers would want to go there, though. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's very similar sure. to unless he feels burned by the Niners because they didn't draft him. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Might have been over that. I, I think I'm a little bit too uh, in my head about how competitive some of these guys are. Not everyone's Michael Jordan trying to find an edge on, you know, or Richard <laughs> Sherman trying to to find something to be mad about. But, you know, these guys are competitive. So who knows what motivates them sometimes? Uh, I want to talk about another what if there's a massive what if that has a million dominoes that. I didn't believe the story when I first saw it, but apparently there's something to it that, and this is from the Seahawks, which blows me away, and they didn't want to spend a certain percentage of their salary cap on a quarterback. They offered Russell Wilson to the Cleveland Browns for the number one overall pick before the 2018 draft. Uh, that's, I mean, it's a wild story. What's, what are your thoughts just on that alone? And there's more to it. A lot, and none of them are positive. I mean. From what I remember, by his standards, which are Hall of Fame level, Wilson was coming off a little bit of a down year. I mean, now I think he's the best player on the planet, him and Mahomes. You know, and again, if you want to close your eyes and imagine Russell Wilson in Kansas City, I think it would be pretty good. I don't know that there's a team that holds their quarterback back more than Seattle. I know they're smart. I know they've won, but their team building strategy and their drafting has been poor, in my opinion, for some time. And this is further proof. And I guess my question to you: the first thing I heard when I when the first thing I thought when I heard this was, "Who's dumber, Seattle, for offering Wilson for the first overall pick, and reportedly they were going to take Josh Allen, not Baker?" Yeah. Or Cleveland for saying no. I mean, who's dumber? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. If you're Cleveland, like, and you're going to draft Baker Mayfield, 
you could only hope that Baker Mayfield could potentially be what Russell right. Wilson was as a 29-year-old in his prime for a quarterback. You could have 10 more years of this quarterback at that level take out all of the guesswork about if this player is going to be good or not. They had the cap space to pay him, so it's not a problem. Um, I mean, that's a slam dunk trade. The fact that Seattle would offer it, the fact that the Browns would say no, uh, those two things blow my mind when it comes together. And here's here's the so you mentioned it about Josh Allen. So apparently Seattle would have actually taken Josh Allen number one overall and not Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and to that's, me, that's what I've been told. this is where this trade scenario doesn't hold water anymore because Allen didn't go one, Allen didn't go two, Allen went. What uh, seven. seven? Seven. I'm looking at now. Yeah. So if Russell Wilson was up for trade, you mean all the other teams too said no because it's not like Seattle. They could have got the two. They yeah, they the could have traded to three, four, five, six if they wanted to. And I got to imagine one of those teams is saying yes to Russell Wilson because Josh Allen was still on the board. So I don't know if that really holds water now that you think about it. If Josh Allen was really going to be the pick, you think the Jets are turning that down? You think and maybe that, Josh Allen wasn't going to be the pick. Maybe it was going to be Mayfield. Maybe right. it was going to be Darnold who went three and mm-hmm. the Giants were sold on Saquon and the Jets were married to Darnold who they had won on their board. So maybe I'm wrong about the Allen thing. I, I read that somewhere, but no, I don't I know, know the source. I, I, no, I heard the so exact not, same thing. I think it came yeah. from NBC. Like I think it was maybe Florio that had that one. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so it's a good point. I mean, you could probably got the six. You could have got the five. Although, I mean, do those teams want a quarterback at that time? I, I don't know. But, I mean, think about it from the Browns' perspective. You're the worst team in the league. You're picking one. You have all the cap space in the world. There's people walking around your stadium with Browns jerseys on with 25 quarterback names rolling down the back of them, you know, down to their ankles. And <laughs> you could get your guy to end that run, and you don't. It's pretty And amazing. Seattle would be the worst team in the league right now, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> That'd be horrible. What the heck? What would that look like with Josh Allen in there or even Baker Mayfield? Here's the other thing. So let's say that trade happens. Allen goes one. There's another rumor out there that the Patriots were calling teams before the draft. They wanted Baker Mayfield. If Mayfield started to slide and he I, I think the Giants probably would have still taken Saquon Barkley. Probably. Sure. So you're you're probably not trading the Jets with three to the Jets have. Baker over Darnold. If you start getting to pick four or so, could the Patriots have moved up at that point and ended up with Baker Mayfield? Because again, that was the offseason right after they had traded away the their last heir apparent that Brady outlasted and Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe they'd have tried to get a new heir apparent there and moved all the way up for Baker Mayfield. So that that domino could have changed. Uh, I mean, it could oh, have changed half the quarterbacks right. in the league practically just with that one trade. Right. Yeah, and then Seattle two years later might have been drafting Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. yeah I mean, who knows? I mean, again, you're projecting the future is crazy. But if this was an offer on the table, I can't get over who's dumber, Seattle for offering it or Cleveland for refusing it. Yeah, that's the number one takeaway for me as well. Like, yeah. how could you turn that down, Cleveland? What are you doing? And, and the jury's He's out. The best player in the league. And actually, that's a great segue. Let's talk about breakout quarterbacks, what we think about these year one, two, three quarterbacks who we like to break out, who we like to plateau, who might crash and burn with their franchises next. We went over some of the rookie quarterbacks yesterday. There was a story today that Doug Peterson, uh, I want to get the quote right. Doug Peterson told reporters that, quote, number 53 overall pick Jalen Hurts needs to learn and pick up our system. Yeah, I think that's probably something that he needs to do as a rookie that still hasn't 
talk to his coach face to face after the draft? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like just reading it on paper, and you know how text can sometimes mean two things, or you're just reading words, right? But I mean, it sounds like a negative. Like, of course he does. He's a rookie. He's never even been in the building. Right. I, he does. You expect him to know it by now? I like, think it's mostly uh, that's the way I read it. To me, I think it's maybe Peterson trying to calm everybody down. The general public can say, look, right. he's not going to be on the field a lot week one because he's a rookie, first of all. And he said that uh, early on in this season, teams are going to have to rely on their veterans. Nate Sudfeld is one of those guys for us. So basically he's like, look, Hertz is going to start out number three on the depth chart, and then we'll see what he is and we'll see how we can utilize him throughout his rookie season. But we literally haven't even had our hands on him. He hasn't thrown passes to our receivers yet. Yeah, I mean, I give him a 50-50 chance of being active week one on game day. Right. No, exactly. So I think maybe right. tempering experta- ex- expectations was that quote from Doug Peterson and not saying that he's behind. I mean, I guess he is behind, but you know, you don't even know what you have yet in Jalen Hurts, really. Right. He's a total unknown, basically. They, they obviously have very high hopes for him. They like them a lot. Great. But don't think don't don't look too much into it, folks. Any other thoughts on the rookie quarterbacks before we jump into uh, potential breakouts of the year two class? Uh, nothing strong. I mean, I have a lot of hope for Tua and Burrow overall. I, I think they'll have growing pains, but I, I think they will have, if, if we talk a year from now, I think we'll both agree that Tua and Burrow had successful rookie years. I don't know that anybody else plays. I think Tua's going to get in there. I think just look from the outside looking in, it looked like Tua's hip was good enough, and yeah, you've got to get him on the field if he's healthy, and I, it probably won't be in the first eight games, but... You obviously have the path. It's not like you need to see what you have in your veteran quarterback. Unless you're on a playoff run with Fitz Magic, then you put him in for a couple games at the end of the year, get that ball rolling. But yeah, it's not something where I expect him to have a big rookie season. So it's basically Burrow and then wait and see with everybody else. Yeah, and uh, Fitz played really well last year. I mean, like people might not realize just how well he played. I still think he's going to turn into a pumpkin and throw five picks in week two, though. <laughs> right. And the, you know uh, what I mean? That's, that's who thing. he is. If you're a Dolphins fan, he has one bad quarter, and you're like, get Tua in the game. What are you doing? You're, yeah. There's going to be chance for Tua in the game. Even if he goes 5-0 and to start and has one bad quarter in week six, people are going to be losing their minds for Tua. I remember this guy. I mean, Fitz is who he is. He had a good year. He, I'll trust his career more than I will last year. Man, Kyler Murray, looking at the 2019 draft, that's the one where I could see a number of things happening here, but you know, covering the Niners, Arizona Cardinals are the team that would scare me even more so than and I know what the Seattle Seahawks are going to be. They're going to be good, you know. They're going to mm-hmm. be a tough team every single week. Kyler Murray could be that year two, oh crap, maybe not to the level of Patrick Mahomes, but Oh, this might be a future MVP. He's going to be trouble twice a year. Like that's what I worry that Kyler Murray could be second year quarterback, second year of Cliff Kingsbury. He's got himself some really nice weapons on offense. Now that's a team that is better across the board than they were last year. And they were annoying to play already with a first year coach and a first year quarterback. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, I don't know that he's going to be Lamar MVP in his second year or, Mahomes MVP in his second year and then Super Bowl MVP like yeah. that's pretty unprecedented you know what I mean right you can't expect that every, all the time guys yeah, every year it's not going to happen that way right but I do think he could resemble it and that is a massive compliment how do we feel about Daniel Jones Dwayne Haskins the other first round quarterbacks from 2019 in their year twos Jones I didn't like the pick 
and he played much better than I expected. There's a lot to work with there. But I also think he got a little bit lucky. I mean, he still puts the ball in harm's way a lot. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure I could find it somewhere on Pro Football Focus or whatever. I guarantee that his interceptable passes were high. And he doesn't protect the ball well in the in the pocket either. I I hated the Daniel Jones pick, especially for a team that had another selection in round one. I thought they I thought the Giants played that poorly, but that's Gettleman's mm-hmm. style. But there were some times, especially the way he played early, for him to jump in early and hold his head above water for any rookie quarterback, that's impressive. So yeah. I'm going to stand back for my initial, and I had to do this with Josh Allen because I was like, man, Josh Allen's not a top 10 quarterback. Love the arm, but come on, he's, he's just nowhere near. And he's proven to be somebody, and we'll get to him next, he's proven to be somebody that you're like, okay, I, stand back, wait, watch these guys develop because so much changes for a quarterback after they hit their landing spot in the NFL. They're nowhere near finished products uh, in the first couple of years. So into year three and four, we still don't know exactly who these guys are, which is what's interesting about the, the 2018 class with so many top quarterbacks. So I'll wait and see. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be that guy, but he showed enough that in his rookie season that, okay, 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, and he came out and he he played okay as a rookie. So we'll see what Daniel Jones is. I'm not a, a full-on believer, but I like him better than I did when they drafted him at number six. I do too, and I didn't like the pick, obviously. Uh, real quick in that that class too, I worry about Haskins. I worry about anyone that's not super mobile in today's NFL. I mean, Haskins is a battleship. Um, but he had two really bad games that really skewed his stats. Other than that, I thought he was fine, and I still have some optimism for him. He had such so little around him, though. It was a tough spot for Dwayne Haskins. He's got a new coaching staff now, and he's he's got a guy. They they traded for Kyle Allen. You mentioned it's like eh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets yanked early. And Kyle Allen, someone there's more trust there with the coaching staff. But uh, you're right. There was that three interception game in 17 attempts in what was that week four. Dwayne Haskins' first time getting in the NFL action is like, okay, that did not look good. But you're right, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple touchdowns late in the uh, later in the year, he had a much better run after. Even if you just take out that first game, hold on, let's see what his numbers look like. If you just take out the first game for Dwayne Haskins where he was 0 for 3 touchdown to interceptions. Uh, if you take that out, he completed 59%, okay. almost 60% of his passes, seven touchdowns to four interceptions. Just, you know, raw stats here. Definitely not as bad, so... A couple of bad outings, you're right, definitely skewed those stats in the wrong direction. And I basically feel the same about Haskins as I did about Daniel Jones. I don't feel super strong, but wait and see. Like, I, I Give him some time and let's see what these guys are. And I think we'll learn a lot about them in 2020. Let, let's, let's probably maybe end here with Locke and we can continue this conversation maybe throughout the week even. Yeah, uh, or absolutely. whatever. I'm up for whatever. Because I do want to talk about Locke. Because I've said this a million times, too. Like, I can't believe they didn't get Winston or Dalton or Cam or just totally all in on this guy. And I, I wanted to pull his game log up, too. And he came in in week 13, and they won four of their last five. I mean, their only loss was at Kansas City. You know, no, no. I mean, they're not going to win that game very often. But I am a little shocked that they're so all in on this guy. And it kind of reminds me of when Mayfield came in his rookie year and quote lit it up and everybody thought he's the next coming, but expectations at that point are low. The season's already shot. Uh, 
not that it doesn't matter or you those aren't important evaluations, but also like Mayfield, Locke played pretty easy slate of defenses. I mean, he played the Chargers, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Lions, who are already making golf reservations, and the terrible Raider defense. <laughs> so it's not enough for me to say they got their guy. That's a good point. And that's probably why, you know, that was the stretch that like, okay, let's see what Locke can do here at the end of the year. But yeah, they went four and one on that stretch and they got him some weapons. I mean, I love that pairing of Corland Sutton with Jerry Judy. And they follow that up with KJ Hamler, get some speed out of the slot there. And at worst, they're going to sling it around and have a lot of fun. And so basically, if you're a, if you're looking for a late round flyer in your fantasy leagues, where Drew Locke is going so late, it's like either you think he's going to be garbage or he's a huge value. You should just draft him and see what you got for a few weeks. Yeah, and it sounds like I'm being critical of Elway and the Broncos front office. And yes, I think that would have been a great spot for an Andy Dalton who's less threatening than Cam and is more experienced than you know Winston. But they did a awesome job of giving this guy firepower. I mean, when Ken, when KJ Hamler is like your fifth option now, like <laughs> right. I don't want to say it's Chiefs like, but they're looking at the division rivals saying, let's do everything we can to mimic what they're doing. And I think Jerry Judy's going to play early. I mean, that dude can get yeah. open from day one. So, you know, depending on how everything goes upstairs with learning the playbook and it's tough for rookies and we'll see how the rookie class is this year. But yeah, I think I've got stock up with, Drew Locke, he's going to be one of those guys I'm watching the closest. Yeah, and you know who's still good at football? Melvin Gordon. Like, Drew Locke's going to love having Melvin Gordon behind him. I mean, it's tough to be a running back this day and age. Poor guy. I heard some people talking about how they should, just for the running back position, waive the the three years in college rule and just let running backs come out early and because, man, it's it's tough. And I think the league's getting smart about it, and you can just sit back and all of a sudden, Melvin Gordon's available, and you've already got... Uh, Philip Lindsay there. I mean, you, you know, the running back position, the NFL is a wild one that people were just like, well, Melvin Gordon's good, but I, I don't care anymore about running backs. And the league is finally coming, coming around to that notion. We, we did see one running back go in the first round, but again, that's because he's really good at catching the ball. Yeah. And Gordon's a good receiver. I mean, I think people talk about him like he's washed up. Like if he gives them two strong years of production with a young quarterback, that's worth, that's worth quite a bit. And I think he will, like he might be on my fantasy, this team this year, uh, because he's probably going later than he should. He's good at football. We're out of time here. One thing I want to finish it up with, with drew lock. And this is sort of a, this is the kind of take you hear that usually I roll my eyes at when I hear somebody else say it. So, uh, but just watching his demeanor, the way he carried himself and just sort of loose, and he almost has the right amount of uh, like dorkiness, for lack of a better term. You saw it with Peyton Manning. And I think being an NFL quarterback, if you're trying to look cool while you're doing it too much, that's a detriment to you. And I think Drew Locke has this like, look, let's go. Let's play. Let me sling it. I'm a little bit loose. To see a rookie have that looseness to his game, the way he slung it at the end of his rookie year, I think is is something that you should be excited about if you're a Broncos fan to say like, okay, at least it's not too big for this guy coming in as a young player. He came in and he competed and he seems like he's not going to fold, which is pretty important. No, I think you're hundred percent right there. There is something to demeanor it, not looking too big for him, not looking frenetic and jittery in the pocket. You know I mean? All those things matter and his teammates see it. And obviously the organization sees it. So 
I mean, I firmly believe that that organization thinks they have a great one. All right. Yeah. So we ran out of time for the 2018 class, but that's a conversation that could maybe last an entire podcast. So let's save that for another day. There'll be a Twitter Thursday. We'll have some fantastic guests for you as well right here. Locked on NFL.